Blog Talk Radio. I'm a big bull, 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 I'm a
My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, D.C. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And finally, Brother Anthony, we will now bring in Brother Haki and welcome him to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother Haki. Uh, <clears throat> Brother Africa, thanks for having me. Excuse me. <laughs> my name is Haiki Kamathi Mishoki, Colonel with African Awareness. And Brother Africa, you know my thing is all about <clears throat> institution building. Uh, one of the things in terms of building institutions, we've got to be uh, very clear in terms of changes that take place, you know, in the society. You know, recently the uh, the uh, a lot of government officials finally acknowledge uh, the country's, in fact, in, re- in recession. And that is very important in terms of people understanding in terms of why things ex- exist the way they do. Now, in understanding recession, I think one of the things that's very important that we, we, we grasp is this whole question in terms of the relationship between capitalism, instability, and fascism. I think those things are key. Those variables are key in terms of understanding, you know, uh, the kind of uh, social malaise, the kind of destruction that we're witnessing in the society. But having said that, Brother Africa, I want you to check this out. Now, capitalism and instability are conjoined features of the neoliberal order that values conflict over resolution, conquest over mutual cooperation, death over life. The structure philosophy that undergirds capitalism is hold true the Machiavellian view in the struggle between nature, human and animal alike, employed as honesty as a way of life. The, de- the deception is implicit in human affairs, finds this deception embedded in social political institutions, which in turn seeks to condition its citizens to the legitimacy of exploitation of one another under the erroneous belief such a relationship would find itself or, or find it, work itself out in the end. In the bowels of capitalism, deep-seated conviction <coughs> that ends justified means is coded into its DNA. Thomas Piketty laid out one of the fundamental premises of capitalism that embodies stylized exploitation, economically and otherwise, of its citizens, concealed in social legitimacy that justifies the plunder of the poor. <coughs> in his book, Time for Socialism, he talks about the rate of return on capital. In other words, the relative smaller investment amounts resulting in large payouts for investors. Labor who creates the products of sale or the intellectual innovation are not adequately compensated. Given declining wages and the salaries, instead, the productivity they provide to the business, making it possible, is instead given to shareholders in the form of higher dividends. This step is socially sanctioned and unbeknownst to most people. Rather than, rather than wage increases to compensate workers for their productivity gains, or one person doing work or two, their wages continue to stagnate. Another example of socially sanctioned theft, stealing from workers and the poor, involves a formula for capital gains. Capital gains are taxes applied to assets like stocks, <clears throat> bonds, precious metals, and real estate, etc., are only taxed when they are realized or cashed in. Interestingly, interestingly enough, capital gains along with dividends are taxed at a lower rate than other sources of income, particularly wages and salaries. While wages and salaries are taxed 39.6% according to Piketty, typically capital gains are taxed 15% for those making between 80800 to $500 or $1,000 a year. Annual salaries under $40,000 to $80,000 <coughs> pay zero capital gains tax. Obviously, relatively low tax rates for the well-to-do complicates the government's ability to bring in revenues 
In addition, superimposing tax avoidance for the top 1% are $163 billion per year. The economic crisis will continue to deteriorate, and the IRS targeting of working people, squeezing them for more taxes from them, will not, will not even come close to stabilizing the economy. Now, <clears throat> the transfer of wealth from the poor to the wealthy also exists on a global scale. Western institutions like IMF, International Monetary Fund, World Bank, are specifically designed to impoverish the global south by utilizing structural adjustment programs, foreign currency exchange regimes, and commodity prices established by the West to systematically transfer wealth from the global south to Western states. Since the 60s, close to 10 trillion to 100 trillion of global south wealth has been transferred to Western states. Global south acquiesce to such an imperialist system underscores the level to which class interests among its leaders take precedent over the drive for self-determination. Fortunately, the drive for self-determination among the global south does manifest itself from time to time. Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Eritrea are all countries resisting economic exportation, <clears throat> but on a grander scale, China as well as Russia have not only rebuffed the West's attempt to impose economic exportation, but has inflicted much pain on Western states in the process. China, with its basket of recognized currency, the yuan, could easily afford to persist in allowing Western exportation of its economy by participating in business relationships that contributes to inequality in China. Apparently, China's central community has come to the realization Invested in China internally will minimize Western commercial influence, not to mention prudent in the long run. This process is well underway. China's investments in the U.S. currently exist under $1 trillion. Over the last six months alone, China reduces holdings in U.S. treasuries by $100 billion, according to RT News. By shredding U.S. treasuries, this capital can now be used to prop up the value of the yuan, which in turn drives up the value of remaining assets in the U.S. owned by China. Currently, China debt as a percent of global debt is $2.5 trillion. A strong one could go a long, a long way in erasing that debt while securing a stronger credit rating. There is no doubt all other mitigating factors compel China to look inward. Given the unpredictability of U.S. sanctions, think Cuba, Iran, Venezuela, Serbia, Nicaragua, Russia, and China. Think SWIFT system, which is, which is weaponized. Think Afghanistan, Venezuela, and Russia particularly when we talk about Afghanistan in terms of a long 20-year war in which the people no longer have access to their resources because the U.S. is holding it up with the SWIFT system. Also in Venezuela in terms of, you know, undermining their economy because they don't have control of their currency, and the fact that the U.K. has sold billions of dollars of its gold that it refuses to return to Venezuela. And, of course, we know about Russia in terms of the sanctions imposed on Russia. Now, given these realities, the prudent move is to reduce financial exposure in the U.S., of course, reducing financial exposure has had a devastating impact on the U.S. economy. The national debt currently stands over $32 trillion in the U.S. That's officially. Corporate debt in the U.S. stands at $236 trillion. All this debt exists in dollars, which decreases the value of the dollars, potentially increasing deficits that impacts prices of both stocks and bonds. Now, given this backdrop, the Federal Reserve's decision to increase interest rates to reduce inflation becomes problematic. Bonds, critical to raising money for both government and corporations, are complicated by rising interest rates and the inverse relationship. In other words, as interest rates go up, the payouts becomes less. Interest rates increases translate to lower payouts and declining sales volume. The problem of rising interest rates is countered by an increase in the debt ceiling or money available to spend by the U.S. government. Currently, the deficit is at currently at $32 trillion. The debt ceiling must be increased by October 2022, according to Jenny Yellen, the Treasury Secretary. 
If the Federal Reserve holds true with interest rate increases, the repercussions could devastate the U.S. economy. <coughs> uh, no, uh, currently the U.S. Keep in mind, the U.S. U.S. economy is already currently in recession. Now, for every point, this is important we understand. But for every point, interest rates increases, the economy loses thirty billion dollars in economic activity. By this rubric, any interest rate increase will negatively impact the economy. Concerns about recession are justified, and Jerome Powell, director of the Federal, uh, Federal Reserve, understands this all too well. In fact, it is stipulated no interest rate increases if the Treasury's accounts contain insufficient funds for the government to pay its bills. In the end of uh, insufficient government funds, three accounting tricks will be utilized by the U.S. government. One, they can reduce the Treasury's for sale. Secondly, they can suspend payment on the dividends. Or thirdly, they can draw funds from other departments like other departments like Social Security and or infrastructure. It appears the very the very values of capitalism that embrace apathy, greed, and ruthlessness does not fare particularly well when the shoe is on the other other foot. Continue to demonize both China and Russia. The reality is both employee strategies from the U.S. and Buckingham have been successful in inflicting pain on the U.S. population, like the pain Western states inflict on populations of the global South. The economic dislocation of Western economies have revealed capitalism and its short-term focus could never address the long-term needs of humanity. This is precisely why fascism is the only political option for the power structure in a conflicting manner employed by competing systems of power, strategic use of force against against the population. Now, given that, however, these values will not simply disappear and they they will manifest politically nonetheless. We should never forget January 6th was merely a precursor of events to come, an event highlighting the internalization of values that insist destruction of others is justifiable in pursuit of all things Machiavellian and the legitimacy of state-sponsored fascism. So my so my only concern, my only statement to people is to prepare yourself for the inevitable. And I told you that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next from Brother Haki, we now bring in Brother Moses and welcome him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. And greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists, distinguished guests, and callers. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. Women hold up half the sky. I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And this is the situation we're faced with. We're faced with a few people controlling the destiny and and the future of, of 99% of us. And um, the economic situation must be addressed uh, and we must become conscious of who's who and what's what and and know our rights and and demand our rights. This is thank you for allowing me to be on the show, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Moses. Uh, following Brother Moses, we bring in now 
Uh, Sister Eleanor, welcome to Africa on the Move, Sister Eleanor. Good evening, uh, Brother Africa, fellow panelists, and our listening audience here and abroad. Uh, Good evening to you, and I look forward to a fantastic, informative program this evening. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. What we're going to do right now, we're going to pause for the calls, and when we come back, we can have a critical discussion, a critical discussion on what's going on in our world and the community. But right now, we're going to remind you of the song by Peter Tosh that is applicable today. It is We Need Equal Rights. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Move. Yeah. 
my eyes and all black tonight. That's right, some niggas gotta sacrifice. Not a criminal, no, I'm a seminal. Yeah. I was free once, now I'm clinical. You so technical, this was Mexico. Now everywhere I go is owned by Texico. Fuck, yeah. fuck them and the rest Hell of you. Yeah. I turn a phone to a best hop I'ma roll with the aliens. Man, fuck these homo sapiens. They don't really wanna make friends. All they want is a Mercedes Benz. All they want is they dividends and decibels. Fuck these citizens. They'll treat us like hooligans. Throw him in, they don't care what's fully in. These people don't play fair. It ain't even fair at the state fair. Give a young nigga gray hair. That's why I'm here. Make your ass lay there. You better stay there. Close your fucking eyes like a daycare. Make myself clearer than Shakespeare. I'm here to take money, even fake hair. So desperate is what I'm left with. For the record, you affected. Who you elected? It's so septic, so full of shit. I can't accept it. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I reside on the west side. I murder with my third eye. Niggas so fly, get a bird's eye. I make them scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. Run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. Why these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones. Real ones, trying to reach millions. Real ones, trying to make billions. Real ones, dressed like civilians. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president, they have the evidence. Arrest all of those damn criminals, they all have the evidence. Welcome back to Africa on the Moon. When the seat, we're going to take the heat because we're going to find it and we stand behind it. Panelists, let's, let's get straight to the source. Let's talk about the continuation of the history of the U.S. government continue to send oppressed people, and particularly in this case, African people, a message that they will not be a free people under their authority. That was just recently released, a story that has been talked about all over the world at this point in time around the FBI investigating Russia interference possibly linked to Yuhuru movement in Florida. And the basis of that so-called um, investigation and subpoena so-called wants and things is they are linking African organizations with, working with so-called the so-called their enemy. 
and they are saying that we have no relationship. We share no relationship with that they don't approve of in essence. But there are so many histories that ties into this whole narrative. Let's talk about it talk about this in a way where we can make some sense of it. Because it was wasn't that long before January sixth where you had mobs of people doing all kind of things against the so-called federal authorities. They have all kind of relationship with other governments, i.e. Ukraine, other governments, American citizens have relations with trying to top other governments all around the world. What we talk about is Cuba, Venezuela, Bolivia, Syria, you name it. But all of a sudden, they're going to pick a small African organization who doing what they're supposed to do. That's a fight for their freedom because they think they are oppressed. And they want the rest of the world to be in line with them. I said them, I'm talking about the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the U.S. Captain System. Let's talk about this phenomenon, just the place, this accusation, alleged so-called interference in U.S. of Russia in collaboration with African organizations. Brother Haki, there are so many angles that must be dealt with as it relates to this so-called narrative. You shot us all. What are some of the issues you have with this so-called presentation and indictment and investigation against the Yuru movement? Brother Haki, we're going to turn the mic now over to you. Talk to us. Yeah. <coughs> well, I, I think, you know, um, right offhand, Brother Africa, you know, one of the things I find extraordinary about this, um, there's a assumption, uh, should I say a presumption, uh, you know, um, that somehow um, the, the the people in America are extremely stupid. I think normally when they when they innovate propaganda, it has some degree of, of complexity. In this particular case, it has absolutely zero. And 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 I outline is why I feel like the uh, this uh, propaganda being espoused by the U.S. government lacks complexity uh, for a couple of reasons. But first and foremost, I think one of the things is that when we, when we talk about the fact that this individual was supposedly orchestrated, you know, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, these these events, this Russian by the name of Alexander Ionov, supposedly he's able to 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 facilitate, you know, the manipulation of the Hulu organization via telecommunications. That in itself is it's just it's just it's so ridiculous. It's just so ironic. You know, uh, it, it it just you know it's just it's just it's just um, it, it's just it's just it's just very difficult, extremely difficult, you know, to 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 take you know with a straight face. Also, uh, the mere fact, and when we talk about the Hula movement, which is all about you know um, you know uniting African people out the world, one of the things about any movement it has is definitely philosophy in terms of how it proceeds. And one of the things that, particularly when we talk about it in the context of American society. 
when you talk about organizations in terms of their fight in terms of autonomy or for uh, unity among African people, one of the things they're not going to do is allow someone from the outside to dictate to them the terms or the strategies they employ in terms of meeting their objectives. So the mere fact that they're saying that somehow um, this guy, Alexander Ironoff, was able, you know, to, to carte blanche, to, to determine for the, for the African people in Uhuru, you know, the, their movement forward, I think it's laughable. But, it's, but again, it speaks to the kind of perception of African people by this government and the fact that we are a very stupid people. And so, therefore, they can, they can say pretty much anything and we're going to swallow it. Of course, we understand the, the level of propaganda or the kind of um, uh, effectiveness of propaganda in terms of creating perception in the minds of people to get them to believe anything the government wants them to believe. And certainly on the right, when we talk about in terms of the induced perception, uh, that's we very, very clear, you know, that uh, many on the right uh, have no clue what's going on, who totally beholden, you know, to the parameters of, 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 uh, of propaganda and believe, hook, line, and sinker, everything the government tells them. So we do understand the power of propaganda. But I really think that this, the, whole, the whole focus of this, this particular propaganda was, was uh, arrived on, based upon the assumption that, in fact, that uh, the, the bulk of African people are very, very stupid. But anyway, let's let's look, look at essentially what they were saying, right? And which I, which in itself is very interesting. Now, the government official, you know, they alleged that this Russian official directed U.S. political groups to the so division, spread pro-Russian propaganda, and interfered with U.S. political election. Mm. Directed. Now, this is a very interesting term. And directed implies that the Russian official devised strategies to Uhuru. Now, Huru would not, now, as I alluded to before, Huru would not compromise his autonomy by allowing others to dictate strategies. So the mere notion that, in fact, that this guy, this, this Russian agent, was able to, in fact, you know, shape uh, Huru's perception in terms of what has to be done in society, given the fact that we're talking about people who were born here who've been struggling for, you know, who've been privy to, 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 to over 300 years of struggle, to say that somehow someone from another country uh, who have no clue in terms of intimacies, in terms of wage and struggle inside America, to say that somehow they're going to tell people who are inside America the best way to conduct their struggle is laughable. Now, in question terms of sowing division in America, Brother Africa, sowing division in America, and you alluded to this. Well, when we talk about division in America, it's all self-imposed. Uh, keep in mind, uh, when we talk about division in America, across, we can talk about division in terms of ethnic, class, and gender. And it's all, as I said, self-inflicted. When we think about this January 6th uh, insurrection, and this is a perfect example in terms of the seizing anger and distrust facilitated by U.S. institutions and the media, specifically to, the, to, the, to sow anger. Uh, when we talk about billionaires funding right-wing extremists, uh, it's done specifically what? To facilitate division. So there's a notion somehow that, that, that the Uhuru group was contracted to facilitate division in America it's absurd. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Only a moron would swallow this notion that, in fact, that they would, that the Uhura group was here, was, was, was manipulated or contracted to, to facilitate division in America, when America itself is division, it's divided. And that's very, very clear. All you have to do is read a, read a newspaper, watch the news. I mean, it's very, very clear. And this is information coming directly from America, so unless, you, unless your position is that somehow the media is fact pro-Russian. I mean, unless you're going to make that argument, this notion that somehow the Hulu group was instrumental in, in uh, imposing division in American society is, is, is starkly laughable. 
Uh, now, this whole question is spread on Russia propaganda. Mm. Presumably, um, they're talking about the Russian-Ukraine war, even though they didn't specifically say that. Now, it's interesting in terms of when you think about media presentation of, of uh, you know, of Ukrainians' uh, <laughs> uh, uh, transgressions. Uh, in particular, when we talk about the Donbass region, you talk about Donetsk and Luhansk, or not to mention Crimea, the media itself talks about the, the the refusal of the of Ukrainian officials to honor the immense agreement which was signed back in 2015, acknowledging the autonomy of both uh, regions, the uh, Lunesk and uh, Donetsk. Uh, so clearly, you know, so when we talk about uh, Russia propaganda, that doesn't come from Russia. That comes from U.S. media. And so this notion in terms that somehow that uh, that uh, that who was spreading pro-Russian propaganda. Is, uh, can only can only can only be expressed in a manner in which you know um, you know uh, uh, people who are, 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 are either uh, consciously unaware of what's in fact taking place in in American society, or people who have a vested interest in terms of promoting disinformation in terms of what's going on in American society. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, I find that very very ironic. Also, you know, let me say this, Brother Africa. Also. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, um, when we talk about in terms of those two, those two regions in uh, Ukraine, in the Donbass region, Donetsk and Luhansk, keep in mind when Ukraine signed that agreement in terms of recognizing, you know, those uh, recognizing the the the, uh, uh, the 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 self-determination of those two regions under the sovereign umbrella, you know, of the Ukraine Ukraine country. Uh, when they did that, uh, when they signed an agreement, they said that they would, in fact, recognize their right to culturally, linguistically, you know, to practice and 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 and, to, and utilize their culture, uh, uh, which is uh, which is Russian. They said that they would agree to do that. Well, they turned around and they said, then they forbid them to 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 speak to speak Russian, forbid them, you know, to engage in politics in terms of, you know, fighting for those things which is the interest of those particular regions. Uh, so clearly. You know, this violation of the immense protocols and immense agreement was something that the UK, I mean, that the uh, that the uh, Ukraine officials did. And so, this whole notion in terms of, of pro propaganda, that's that propaganda in terms of false value Uhuru group. That is news coming from the, from the Washington Post, the Washington, the Washington, the Washington, Washington Post, New York Times, and major organizations like that uh, in the United States. Also, also, brother African, let me say this one other thing. I I, I conclude. The start, this last point they talk about in terms of interference in U.S. elections, uh, I think that that was that's that's very ironic. Particularly when you think about in terms of Citizens United, uh, and Citizens United, essentially what it was, it it, it says that uh, they equate money with free speech. In that context, what they were saying is that you know you can spend as much money as possible. Wealthy people, corporations can spend much much money if they want in terms of influencing the elections. So there's a notion that they fundamentally have a problem in terms of interfering with elections, big values in terms of the kind of disinformation that they seek to they seek to spread with respect to the Hulu group. Now the whole thing is that we're talking about, you know, a very we're talking about a very, very small group. We're talking about a couple of individuals inside of Uhuru who allegedly ran for public office. Now supposedly they were financed by this particular individual Ironoff back in Russia. Uh but the problem with this it seems to me, Brother Africa, if you're going to fact, if you're going to take money from a foreign, a foreign source, particularly Russia, then certainly one of the things you, you you want to do is make sure if you're going to accept that money to the fact, declare yourself, you know, a, a foreign agent, and so therefore there's no legal justification 
for the U.S. to come at you in terms of taking money illegally. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, one, one of the things that when we think about in terms of how the United States conduct business, we talk about these color revolutions around the world in terms of the U.S. using money uh, propaganda for the sole purpose of undermining or destroying or eliminating uh, le- political leadership in these countries. Uh, the U.S. understands firsthand in terms of use of money in terms of getting their way in terms of, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, ensuring that certain people arrive in political positions. Well, the whole thing is don't you think for one second, don't think for one second that the Russian authorities don't step back and analyze this and understand that if they're going to corrupt or co-opt a political campaign, there are many, many ways you can do it. Certainly, one of the ways you wouldn't co-opt a political organization is to send money through a system which is monitored by the, by the CIA, uh, the State Department, and so forth and so on. So this notion that somehow that, that these, these brothers and sisters were funded by the Russians is just pure propaganda because nobody in their wildest dreams would con- conceive of, you know, accepting money. And, and, you know, let me put it this way. When you talk about a local election, you're not, you know, you know, you're talking about local election, you're not talking about large sums of money. Number one, you've got to ask yourself, what is the benefit to Russia for, in terms of local elections in America? There are, there are no benefits to be had from the local elections in America because local elections deal with local affairs. They don't deal with international stuff. They barely deal with – they don't even deal with state stuff because when it comes to state, state matters, local, local, local politicians have no influence whatsoever in terms of state affairs, even less of, less of an impact in terms of, in terms of federal affairs. So this notion in terms that somehow that, 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 the, that the Uhuru Group was financed by the Russians on local affairs for the sole point, for the sole purpose in terms of undermining America's stability, it's, it's laughable, Brother Africa. But clearly, this is, this is how propaganda operates. But I'm angry because the level of propaganda they employed in this particular situation is just so mediocre, just so absurd, just so inane, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that if, 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 if one takes it seriously, they have to become somewhat angered because clearly the only way you can put out such such poorly designed propaganda is, is your assumption. Your assertion is that the people that you who want to reach, who you want to uh, 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 infect with this propaganda, are just so stupid that you can say anything and they will accept it. So clearly, brother Africa, I think that this this, this whole this whole uh, this whole debacle is part and parcel in terms of decline. You know, a, a, a decline of this economy. And as in, 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 as um, uh, um, John Stockton would say, a search of an enemy. And so the Uhuru group serves, serves as a perfect focus in terms of a search for an enemy because not only are these brothers and sisters dealing in terms of international politics, but also the fact that they are dealing, they are dealing with, 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 with local politics. So it's a, so it's a kind of a, 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 a double-edged sword of sort, if you will, of that maybe the government finds problematic because, you know, they're trying to reach people on both ends of the extreme, political extreme, in terms of political thought or consciousness. And, 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 of course, the brother did allege that he went to Russia, but big deal. I mean, you know, I would go to Russia if I had the opportunity. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would go to China if I had the opportunity. You know what I mean? So I, I wouldn't hide that. You know, if I had the opportunity, I would go. You know, because I want to know for myself firsthand how these societies are organized. So if I had the opportunity, I would go. So this notion, in fact, that somehow the who will go in fact, uh, you need to mastermind in terms of working, uh, you know, with the, with the, uh, uh, with the Russian Intelligence agencies—that's the assumption that they're making. It's laughable. It's, it's absurd. And, and I close with that, Brother Africa. 
Thank you, Brother Hakeem. Brother Anthony, everybody talking about crime, but tell me who are the real criminals. Your take on this phenomenon, Brother Anthony. Uh, my take on this uh, phenomena is that there uh, is that the U.S. government is trying to stifle political dissent. And uh, and the thing about it, though, uh, it seems like they take the view that Africans are not uh, are not capable of coming up, uh, drawing their own conclusions in terms of the way they've been treated throughout U.S. history. And uh, and uh, you know. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know the fact that uh, the fact that they thought that the Uhuru movement traveled to Russia, uh, you know, to uh, to criticize conditions inside the U.S. Uh, you know, is being used as an opportunity uh, to indent, uh to prevent people from voicing political dissent against U.S. policy. As if Africans could not, uh, you know, on their own, uh, come up with critical anal- uh, uh, criticisms of, uh, of how they, they're being treated inside the U.S. And, uh, you know, so I think, uh, you know, I think, I think it's being used, uh, to, uh, to intimidate Africans, uh, you know, to prevent, uh, any criticism of, uh, U.S. government and U.S. policy towards Africans. Um, and uh, you know, and I think it shows the need for us to be uh, politically organized and to politically educate ourselves. And some of us have, in terms of how we've been treated throughout our our experiences inside the U.S. And, uh, and, uh, that is what, uh, and that is what the police forces, uh, you know, fear the most that some of us that do know how we've been treated with spread that information around. And, uh, and I think that's why persecution of the horror movement is, uh, taking place today. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Sister Eleanor, talk to us. Is this a case of do what I say and not what I do? When one look at the history of the FBI and the CIA, when you talk about interference and governmental affairs around the world, when you talk about organized assassinations of people, other people, presidents, and leadership, when you talk about the role they play historically, to continue the oppression and the control of African people, not only inside the United States, but around the world. And what the hell are we really talking about, Sister Eleanor? Talk to me. What's your take, Sister Eleanor? Talk to me. Make some sense of this. 
Thank you, Brother Africa. First of all, I want our listening audience to know what we're discussing is a raid conducted by the FBI on uh, Friday, July 29th, 2022. Uh, It was uh, committed uh, against the uh, uh, Committee to, to Stop FBI Repression and the National Alliance Against Racism and Political Repression against the Aurora House in St. Petersburg, Florida, as well as their uh, Solidarity Center in St. Louis, as well as other private homes in St. Louis, uh, also including a Palestinian organizer and others. And um, they used flash bomb grenades and handcuffed uh, the families, uh, the husband and wives in the rural house, both in St. Louis and in Florida. Now, this comes at a time um, uh, the FBI uh, says that the uh, raids are conducted, uh, were connected to a federal indictment of a Russian man, as uh, Brother Haki said, um, alleging alleging that he has been uh, working to spread Russian propaganda here in, 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 in the United States. Well, I I really doubt that he would start with the most oppressed group in the United States, uh, African people. And this is at a time when the when the U.S. Uh, is is uh, uh, a very strange time before the U.S. In that one moment, please. Oh. Something happened here. Wait a minute. When the U.S. is in, in engaged in a um, um, uh, excuse me, besides being involved with the Twin Cities, this comes at a time when the when the U.S. is engaged in a war by proxy uh, uh, against Russia. And uh, it's 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 a very very uh, interesting article because on February on September uh, 2010 there was a similar kind of raid when the, these folks were standing up and they were against the war. But right now, at a time when uh, when the U.S. is engaged in an imperialistic proxy war uh, against Russia. These, this is when these raids occur, and I and uh, uh, it's it's kind of like a witch hunt. All progressive people should oppose any attempt by the FBI and the police to attack people's movements and organizations that attempt to organize people. Certainly, especially right now at a time when um, voters' rights are being attacked all over this country. And as we frequently discuss, 39 states have, have passed voter repression laws. Mm-hmm. So this appears to be um, uh, the U.S. out of control. And the article was reported by uh, the Fight Back News Sur- Service. And uh, it, it's good to see that we still 
to have some First Amendment rights. The important thing about this article or one of the articles I've read um, today on this subject, there are many, is that they um, actually teach people and they say that if you're served with a warrant, they tell you what to do to inspect the warrant with close uh, close details, inspect it for details uh, such as uh, uh, incorrect spellings, uh, incorrect addresses, point out the errors and do not permit entry into the premises. They also remind people not to discuss the activities of their friends and associates with the FBI and agents of the government. So they actually educate people what to do if approached and when to do it. But uh, this is a very odd thing that these raids would be happening across the country to uh, African-American groups and a Palestinian organizer, both in the Twin Cities and in Florida, when we uh, we have uh, the January 6th insurgents, when these people actually tried to have a coup in the United States. And uh, political high appeared to be involved, possibly even the former president, and uh, it's a contradiction, an incredible contradiction. And it, 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 I think that uh, the claims uh, uh, by the FBI, uh, 23 activists were actually subpoenaed to a uh, Chicago-based grand jury. And the claims, they claimed to be investigating material support for terrorism at a time when on the FBI continues their uh, attack on anti-war and international solidarity activists by targeting important veterans of the movement uh, who work with the anti-war 23, including uh, Chicano activist uh, Carlos Montez in Los Angeles and the Palestinian organizer out of Chicago. Uh, a national defense campaign defeated most of these attacks. All of these um, um, active, move, all of those active in the movement for peace and justice should uh, use this moment as a reminder to never speak with agents of the federal government prying into your activism or the activism of others. I have nothing to say. It should be your response, and please speak with my lawyer or all you need to. That's all that needs to be said, literally. So, Brother Africa, this is uh, is quite shocking, especially in lieu of January 6th and the recent mass shootings where these young people are using social media going on the same sight, seeing that they're heroes when they shoot down children and and uh, Africans and, and, and non-white children when they shoot down these Hispanics and shoot down African Americans and shooting down the working class and no one can take these sites down but we're raiding the homes 
of uh, peace activists across the country. It, 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 it's it's uh, outrageous. And nothing in the mainstream media seemed to have picked this up. But Brother Haiki did say the information that these people are alleging to be spreading didn't come from any uh, Russian. They came from mainstream media, from newspapers that were known and are known for true journalism that were reporting on the activities of the U.S. government. And where the Department of Justice got their information, we do not know. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Let's go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, is this another continuation of the behavioral Cointel Pro, the behavior of McCarthyism, the behavior of the slave patrol. Brother Moses, what's your take on this phenomenon? Yeah, this is a continuation of the slave patrol, the McCarthyism, the the Cointel Pro. This is all repression, political repression. Um, um, the conscious people are are being jailed or or questioned or or uh, charged. Um, with this ridiculous crime, uh, but uh, you know we we have to continue to organize, continue to 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 communicate with each other what's going on and and resist. This is our duty uh, to resist the fascist onslaught. And um, you know the political repression is nothing new. Uh, we we've. You know, like I said, McCarthyism and the, this whole history of COINTELPRO, and this it's been it's been uh, the U.S. trying to to stifle dissent, and uh, this is continuation of that same process. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, Brother Haki. They often say that thing that has been done in which you have been successful in, you don't give that up. And that seems to be part of this phenomenon. If they have been successful in in terrorizing the African community and causing um, fear among our people, why wouldn't they give that up? Why wouldn't they give up? They will continue to do the same thing. Now, one of the things I find me ironic in terms of lessons we need to learn from this is that Brother Kwame Ray said it clearly. He said that we cannot allow external forces dictate what we do internally or force us to do things in reaction to. It must be internally come from us, come from the people. And it's a question about spontaneity and mobilization. He said the error that we continue to make is that we get up we respond our spontaneity, back the enemy up, the enemy chill out for a few minutes, and when we start chilling out, the enemy be working harder to become back stronger and oppresses you more. Is this a continuation of that same phenomenon, Brother Haki? Yeah, it, it, it is It is a continuation. You know, uh, the same uh, oppressive tactics they've used historically – in terms of undermining, you know, uh, our drive for self-determination, 
it's a it's a, it's a strategy not only uh, historically used but also has been perfected through the ages. Uh, but despite that, you know, despite uh, you know the, the intensity in which they apply, you know, these strategies in terms of Mister um, in terms of deception, uh, we have as a people been relatively did relatively well in terms of you know overcoming these obstacles. Uh, you know, so I don't want to paint the picture that in fact that we have been unsuccessful in terms of refuting you know this kind of uh, propaganda you know initiated you know by the state. We've been on the contrary, we've been very successful in terms of refuting this kind of propaganda. But I think in terms of preponderance in terms of a response, uh, one of the things I think we have to, have to understand is that for them, all they want to do is create a preponderance of confusion in the African community. They can use those individuals to fight against the, the more progressive elements in the African community. So when you put out propaganda like this, which is so ridiculous, so anyone who takes the time to actually analyze this will come to the conclusion that not only is this, 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 this story specious, but clearly the motive has, has everything in the world to do in terms of not uh, divide a people. And so in that context, I, I, I think that you, you're absolutely correct. Uh, when we when we talk about historically the role of propaganda, and we talk about when they, when they do something like this, uh, one of the things uh, you know um, you know um, we also have to take into consideration that when they when they do something like this, we have to understand that you know um, even though we're not able to often uh, assess the effectiveness in terms of what we do, they do because they found everything and everybody. So they understand the kind of things that you know progressives do throughout the country, which does has a quantitative impact as well as a qualitative impact on the minds of people in the society, and they realize that. So it, it, so in that regard, the mere fact that they're going to come after this group was from, you know, from this nefarious from notion of, you know, somehow, you know, uh, uh, undermining the stability of the United States, it's laughable. Uh, unless, say, unless your position is that this small group of people actually influence millions and millions of people throughout the country, unless you're going to make that argument of, it's hard to make this, 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 it's hard to equate that with uh, forming instability in the United States. Because in order to form instability in the United States, uh, you have to want, you have to have access to, to the economic, economic, uh, economic uh, control of the system. Uh, you got to have uh, access to the political uh, um, uh, apparatus. In order to create real instability, you have to have access to those things. Now you're telling me that this small group have have access in terms of the economic system or the political apparatus of the state? Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. So clearly, you know, so clearly this is an exaggeration. But like you say, Brother Africa is all they do it because they're convinced, you know, that it can be successful again. So I think one of the things when I talk about the preponderance of you know the strategy that they employ is they seek to you know to 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 and to I don't want to say ingratiate, but as they attempt to deceive increasing numbers of African people, uh, it's incumbent upon us to understand that if that's their strategy to actually increase the, le- the level of ignorance in the African society, if that's their intent, then what we have to do, we have to fundamentally reject that premise, and we have to make sure that if, we, in fact, we're leaning in terms of swallowing the propaganda, then we have a, a, a political and a moral responsibility to educate ourselves, so we don't become one of those one of those one of, one of those, oh, those those one of those individuals 
you know, uh, they can use in, as a preponderance in terms of making sure you know, they adequately divide the African community upon itself. So I think that, uh, you know, I think you're right. I think the propaganda is, has historically been somewhat effective, but to the extent that we can resist the propaganda and we understand what the propaganda, we can articulate what the issues are in terms of the propaganda, then the better off we'd be as a people, uh, which will compel them to, 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 to resort to different kinds of strategies in terms of just deceiving our people. But uh, the more we can, more we can keep them on the offensive, then the much more room we free for us, free up us for ourselves in terms of strategizing. So it's important that we keep them on the offensive. But the only way we can keep them on the offensive, we have to, we have to not allow them to create the preponderance of thought in the, in the African community, which supports the system as as it currently exists. Uh, and if we can do that, then we'll be fine as a people. You know, brother Anthony. Um, you will ask yourself that where would these kind of this, um, decisions, where would these kind of decisions when it came to deal with the so-called, so-called um, trying to overthrow the government on January the 6th, where would the FBI then, these kind of law enforcement, and one, what do you draw from Isolate a husband and a wife in the middle of the night. You destroy homes right beside them. Then you come in and you, these kind of bums that can damn near give you a heart attack and structure to damn near to do that, to exactly do that. Because they try to hit you at a, at a time when you're maybe uh, at the low moment of, of, of unconsciousness. Then come join in with hundreds and hundreds of guns and and, and law enforcement all around you and upsetting the whole darn neighborhood. And by doing that, they hope to create the climate and the condition where they turn the whole neighborhood against you, saying they no longer want you to be there. That's another underlying message and tactic that they use, and that they again use against them. This is all said and done. One of the things people must realize is they hope to have create a scenario where the community will go against you and run you out. This is something that they have have applauded against African people since we've been here. So what do you take just from this tactic of using all of the so-called taxpayer money to undermine one or two individuals by terrorizing them with many, many, many um, so-called police officials with all kinds of sophisticated equipment, all aimed at someone because they claim they have a relationship with another country that they don't approve. What did you take of the whole charade of giving that kind of attention to one to two individuals who so-called supposed to be American citizen, Brother Anthony? Seems like a, a fear tactic. Uh, you know, to inculcate fear among, uh, you know, in the African community. Uh, you know, to, uh, you know, that any uh, any resistance uh, to our oppression is futile and will be met with, uh, you know, uh, uh, with violence. 
and uh, and that has been uh, done historically against Africans. Remember the uh, recall uh, the incident with Move in Philadelphia uh, several decades ago. Uh, let's see, our youth may not be familiar with that, but uh, it has been used historically. Uh, these tactics of uh, using uh, uh, weapons, uh, you know, explosives, uh, you know, uh, to inculcate fear and to stop us from uh, uh, resisting, basically. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, uh, you know, among some Africans, it's, effect- it's effective. Uh, however, among the masses of our people, those who understand our history and understand what the real deal is, it doesn't work. It makes us more determined. But uh, given that uh, levels of development are uneven, even among ourselves, uh, it does have it does have that effect of inculcating fear and making us afraid to resist our pressure. And I think that is what uh and that is what uh these uh these tactics are about to inculcate fear among our people. And uh and uh we have to stand up and get organized so that we can counteract this fear that the enemy wages against us. Eleanor, there seems to be a reality to African people inside and outside of the United States, I would say, according to Catch-22. This is the catch. They structure rules and laws and policies that goes against the interests of you being free as a people. Now, if you go along with the rules, the policies that they have already constructed, we also know that you will never arrive at your freedom. So what should or would any oppressed people do if they want their freedom, Sister Eleanor? Uh, we, uh, we talk about that all the time, to organize, but we also have to exercise the, the rights and privileges that we have through the, uh, these reforms that we gain through the civil rights movement, which are um, take advantage of education. People should organize to promote literacy in our community so that our folks are once again uh, able to take advantage of higher education. We need to organize our people to vote. But the most interesting thing that's happening, Brother Africa, uh, to refer back to January 6th, to refer back to these mass murders that we see happening across our country, our government has no problem with that. And social media key, uh, exercising those, those type of radicals, these neo-Nazis, these racists, 
these these uh, uh, backwards working class and 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 the and, and the one percent who support them. We have no problem with that. You saw the huge legal defense fund that was put together for Kyle Rittenhouse. We've seen the kind of backup that the states are having to take away and to, uh, the rights of women to control their reproductive health and the life of their families. But what you see being taken away from the people is their right to free speech, their right to actually promote environmentalism, to promote reproductive rights, to promote education, to promote a universal health care. These are to their rights to vote, their right to organize. That's what's being taken away. But those who are stockpiling weapons and, and allowing 18-year-olds two, two weeks after their 18th birthday to buy uh, 200 or 300 rounds of, 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 of anti-personnel um, 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 ammunition are having no problem. They're free to wreak havoc on the rest of us. And again, with the increased militarization of the police across the nation and the expansion of the police, not only through the Border Patrol, through the U.S. Marshals, through uh, the through the Secret Service, through the Capitol Hill Police, through uh, so many different police departments, depending on where you're located. But you also see the expansion and the military, the arming of uh, what were traditionally security guards, people that were in stores to, I guess, prevent shoplifting are now there with weapons. And you see uh, so much uh, proliferation of guns in our society, and increasingly you see the police with more sophisticated weaponry. So I think the real goal right now appears to be to stop people from organizing, to stop them from having the right to vote, to um, uh, stop women from having the control of their reproductive life and their families' lives because their reproductive life affects the quality of life of their family and it affects how their children will grow up and the future of their daughters and sons. So um, this seems to be what's happening right now in the community, the uh, continued repression of the working class and to create a greater divide between the, quote, middle class and the poor. And in effect, they are all workers that need to unite on common ground, and that is that they are all employed and they earn their living through wages. We saw how Congress is taking action to further reduce the um, wages of a certain class of when we know the national minimum wage is but seven twenty five an hour, and for a restaurant worker it's about two eighty eight an hour. So we see those rights, those wages being further eroded. 
So the real issue is to oppress the working class, to impoverish the people, to create a surplus labor economy. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Moses, when we look at this phenomenon that's going on now, Brother Moses, one of the things one we have to ask ourselves is this. Is this just another symptom that this capitalist system has collapsed or is collapsing? Your response? Certainly capitalism is collapsing, uh, but nothing reactionary dies of its own accord. It has to be toppled. And so it has ways of reinventing itself, ways of sustaining itself, uh, unless we topple it. Um, the, the, you know, the, the, I don't know. Well, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Brother Haki, I would say this to you and I'd get your response. When we look at this situation and we talk about propaganda, what's wrong with any propaganda if it tells the truth? A lot of the propaganda that I hear where they claim or accusing the Russian is Russian propaganda is propaganda that's based upon truth. When you look at the history of the U.S. capitalist system, and its institutions, they have committed crimes against humanity from its inception. When you look at the history of the U.S. government and its institutions, like, for example, how can one today say Juan Gado is the president, recognized, recognized as the president of Venezuela? How can one today say that it was cool to try to kill a president down near over 600 times, i.e. Fidel Castro in Cuba. How can one say today, why should we listen to these terrorists because they have a terrorist behavior and history based upon 1966, the overthrow of Kwame Nkrumah, the overthrow of many presidents throughout the world. So if the propaganda, propaganda don't make it bad. Propaganda is a set of information that can be true or false. Well, in this case, threes of their behavior has been recorded. And what's wrong with the propaganda if the Russians just reminding the rest of the world this has been the history of the West and the U.S.? Your general response to that, Brother Haki? Well, Brother Af- well, well, Brother Africa, uh, I, I, I think I was slightly... Uh, um, Disagree uh, on some on 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 your uh, just on your uh, on your uh, on, on, on on a point that you made. I think when you talk about um, propaganda, uh, you know, uh, where you speak of proof, truth, I'm not sure that qualifies as propaganda. I think propaganda, by its very essence, is to distract, mislead, or confuse. So I think when you speak honestly about what's going on in the world and it's, and, it's, and it's verifiable in terms of facts, statistics, and so forth, then I don't think it necessarily qualify as propaganda. Uh, one of the things in, in the context of American society, 
the U.S. has been done, done did a very good job in terms of removing certain news organizations, you know, you know, from the, from online and from the television. And but specifically, I'm talking about RT News, which is a very good job in terms of analyzing what's going on, and the guests were extremely knowledgeable and uh, very very concise in terms of their understanding, in terms of you know U.S. contemporary society. Of course, that conveying that information, that very honest and truthful information, was historically uh, backed up, uh, statistically backed up, in in, in 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 providing that information to people. The U.S. government understands essential the the essential um, uh, threat in terms of the dissemination of honest information. So, as a as a recourse, what the U.S. did was to remove those those programs from from the air and from online. Also, clearly, uh, the U.S. understands that you know telling the truth uh, is not only very, very powerful, uh, but people people gravitate toward it because it's not propaganda. But con- but conversely, though, I think when we talk about propaganda in terms of the attempt to mislead folks, I think you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa. When we talk about U.S. US foreign policy, any, only a fool would 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 say U.S. foreign policy is geared toward democracy, or is was was geared toward human rights. Or is concerned about the 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 the, uh, the, the inequalities uh, confronting society. Only a fool will make that argument. Uh, clearly, when you look at U.S. foreign policy, in terms of you know is propping up despots, you know, all kind of dictators. You talked about Juan Guaido. I mean, come on. I mean, you got a country like the U.K. talking about so we're not going to return your gold because we because we're told uh, we believe that he we've been told he's the president of you know Venezuela. It's absurd. It's absurd. I mean, I mean, with a straight face, how could you even say such a thing? You know, when the people went to the polls to elect, you know, uh, to, to elect my man uh, as president, you know, of Venezuela. Uh, also, you talk about, you know, one, one, you know, one of the great things, Brother Africa, when, when we talk about in terms of, you know, uh, uh, propaganda, uh, one of the things, you know, Fidel Castro was very, very clear. Uh, he was very, very sharp in terms of being able, you know, uh, to really um, – uh, present an argument in a way in which it really antagonizes the, the United States political leadership. Uh, one of the things when, when Fidel Castro used to talk about African blood flows through our flows through our blood, he understood that by even acknowledging that African blood flows through the flows through the veins, he antagonized the head of the U.S. political leadership because the last thing he wants to acknowledge that in fact the African African blood flows through their veins because they want people to believe that in fact that this, that somehow that 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 um, that um, that um, that 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 race or F, that race is somehow some type of biological construct, and so therefore, when we talk about the evolution of human being, that we all we evolve independently of one another. So it's in their interest to propagate that kind of misinformation. So when Castro come back and say something like that, and of course Castro was very fair-skinned in America, he would call he would be considered white. So the mere fact that he did that, he he pissed off the U.S. leadership. Because the last thing they want to do is they do that question in terms of the origin of human beings, in terms of all of us, which is all human beings, that's some such thing as a race. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, when we talk about propaganda in terms of, um, you know, uh, in terms of uh, its, its attempt to deceive, uh, you know, uh, its attempt to confuse, uh, its attempt to muddy the waters, uh, then when we talk about propaganda in the context of the United States, certainly when we talk about the history of the United States, it's always been propagandistic from the very beginning. 
often we talk about the United States being a, 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 a democracy. Damn, the United States is not a democracy. The United States has always been a republic. Why are the 21st century we still calling the a, 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 democ- a democracy? Then people call it a representative democracy. What the, what the hell does that mean, a representative democracy? You sense it's a play on words. U.S. has never been a democracy. It wasn't designed to be a democracy. Uh, James Madison was very, very clear on that point. It wasn't designed to be a democracy. As a matter of fact, the, the so-called founding fathers had a real problem with democracy because it means treating people fairly. If you treat people fairly, you can't profit off of them. You see? The, only, the way to profit off people is to keep them miserable and oppressed. That's how you profit off them. You can work them like mules and not pay them anything. So, so when Sister Eleanor talked about uh, the, 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 the wages in this country being, you know, seven seven twenty five. So we talk about in the last 40 years there hasn't been a, a wage increase. And then when you factor in inflation and you're talking about making seventy five seven twenty five an hour, then realistically, how the hell do you expect people to survive off that? You can't pay the rent with that. You can't even buy food with that. So how do you expect people to survive? They understand that, but it's a trade-off. For them, it's a trade-off. So where they promote themselves in the U.S. as some, some, um, some kind of tranquil, uh, 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 meritorious, uh, compassionate, caring society. The reality is when you look at the system in terms of what is America, the so-called American experiment, then what you see is the exact opposite, destruction, ruthlessness, dishonor, uh, uh, exploitation, all those things that, that hyphen uh, uh, misery uh, are very much part and parcel in terms of this thing we call America. So clearly, Brother Africa, everything about America has been propagandistic. And so it's, and it's, I think it's important for our people, it's important for all people, all, right, all, all, all progressive people, irrespective of ethnicity. It's important that you understand clearly in terms of what the system entails. Because too many of us are running around believing that, in fact, that we've been taught, you know, that because America is a democracy, that we have some input through, lead, through, through our leadership. Of course, when you look at our leadership in terms of advocating for the things that the masses of people want, None of them, Republicans or Democrats, neither party advocates what the people want. The people want quality jobs. The people want clean water. Uh, the people want affordable housing. Uh, the people want quality education. Do the people get those things they want? Hell no, because those politicians don't serve the interests of the people. They serve the interests of the status quo. They serve the interests of the powerful or, the, or certainly the interests of corporations. So propaganda is pretty much part and parcel in terms of what America is all about, and we can no longer deceive ourselves to thinking that, in fact, that America is something that it's not. Uh, the great thing, you know, when we talk about in terms of the role of propaganda, propaganda is very successful in a society which, which facilitates ignorance. Uh, there was a program I'm looking at the other day, and this guy going around asking people a series of questions. He asked these people, these two women, he said, he's a, he's a ma'am, he's a missus. He said, who are the first person to walk on the sun? They said, ah, 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 he was an astronaut, he was an astronaut. Well, damn, really? He walked on the sun? Well, the sun is a composite of gases. Also, it's very hot. So you really think a human being walked on the sun? But they really believe someone walked on the sun. How the hell in a, in a, in a technological society you got people who think that the first, people to, the first person to walk on the sun uh, was an astronaut? I mean, stop and think about it. So propaganda in, 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 you know, in that context is very, very powerful. Because when you've got people who are ignorant to start with, and don't get me started in terms of fundamentalism, I mean, clearly, when you talk about a religion, a religious a sect, whose position is that they frown upon information and knowledge, they reject out of hand information or knowledge, when you talk about people who, who, who are incapable of thought, 
who frown on thought, then they're very susceptible to manipulations, imaginations, you know, of, of the U.S. government, specifically when we talk about propaganda. So clearly, Brother Africa, everything about society is propagandistic. We have to fundamentally understand that's reality. We must make sure our children understand the history. If we expect our children to do well academically, then we have to create those conditions to make that possible. Without those conditions, this kid, our children are at the mercy of a system which is propagandistic, uh, who's going to teach them all kinds of negative things about who they are based upon skin color. It's incumbent upon African people to, to create those conditions, those institutions that fortify, reinforce uh, the great things African children are capable of achieving. And I close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki, for your response to the propaganda question. And I will go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, how do you view the question is of propaganda? in terms of it can play a positive or negative role. But my position was, if it's propaganda and based upon the truth, what is the problem? What's your take on this issue of propaganda, Brother Anthony? Propaganda is a tool. It can be positive or negative, depending upon the intent of the propagandist. And uh, you're right. It can convey either uh, either positive or negative information, depending upon the point of view of the propagandist. And uh, if it is from a working class perspective, then it can be positive. But if it's from uh, the bourgeois perspective, then it can be negative. And what I'm talking about here is the contradiction between the classes in capitalist society. Uh, that is that we, information that is convert, conveyed from a working class perspective can be positive while that which is conveyed from a bourgeois perspective or ruling class perspective can be negative. And, uh, and uh, that is why, uh, why revolutionary movements have to be, uh, working class movements have to be guided by a revolutionary ideology in order to ascertain uh, the quality of information that is being received. You have to have uh, a, 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 a be guided by a revolutionary ideology that teaches you how to analyze the information that's being received. Without that, uh you know uh you know there's a bunch of confusion and it can lead you in the wrong direction and uh so uh it is very important that uh that people belong to organizations that are guided by a revolutionary ideology that teaches you how to analyze information and so you can ascertain whether or not it's in your interest or not. 
Thank you, Brother Anthony. Going to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, your final thoughts on this subject, on this phenomenon, anything additional you'd like to add to this discussion? we got three minutes. Yes. Um, yes, um, there, there is something quite important. I think that um, what we, oh, uh, uh-oh, I'm sorry I'm having a, oh, oh, You okay, sister? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I was having a, a bit of a problem, but there's one thing that is very important and that is propaganda unto itself, as Brother Haki said, is not about truth. What we're looking for is truth. Now, Brother Anthony talking about the working class utilizing tools or putting together educational tools may be one thing, but propaganda is not based on truth. It's based on a point of view. And when Castro spoke about uh, being an African, he wasn't talking about uh, all of us being, uh, all humans being from Africa. He was literally speaking about Cuba being an Afrocentric society. And um, as we know from U.S. racial politics, as it was discussed last week, once you go black, you can't go back. The uh, the the darker the fruit, the sweeter the juice. Um, 1% and you're black. We still have states that have laws that if you find that your white wife has black blood, that she is in fact black, so you can divorce her. And we know of the Sally Hensons. We know of uh, Thomas Jefferson, Sally Henson. We know of George Mason's Phoebe. We know that Thomas Freed's sons, we understand, according to legend, but he sold Sally and his daughters downriver, meaning in Louisiana, into slavery. And so the issue isn't the color of your skin as much as it is your ethnic, your contemporary ethnic history. And Castro acknowledged his. So we need to be clear on that. And the Matizo Americans are a blend of African, indigenous people, and European. So that's who, for example, El Salvadorian people, many El Salvadorian people are. That's what you see and when you you hear Africa throughout Central and South America through the music and so forth so we need to be clear on that because um, um, racial politics are so important and I remember meeting with La Raza many years ago and they made it clear to me about the racial politics of Central and South America and as we just saw, we saw a heroic election in Colombia where the indigenous people and the African people united to defeat their oppressors. Now, we have to see whether or not that revolution follows through 
first, we just have to get through the inauguration. And congratulations, uh, Brother Africa and all of those who have the, the honor to be going to Columbia this week um, for that inauguration. But the reality is we need truth in journalism, and we, and we are not privy to truth in journalism right now. We don't need propaganda pro or con because if the people are educated, if we if we make the people literate, the US is increasingly uh becoming an illiterate society. If we let people know that for example George Bush uh the the number two has been convicted in a world court for his crimes against humanity, people might look differently. And we also have to remember the United States is not a pure democracy, it's a republic. That's why we have the Electoral College. And you can see uh, millions of people in California having the same number or very similar electoral vote as those in Wyoming, where they had the uh, state population approximately the same size as the District of Columbia, the capital of the United States. So there are issues that we need to address, and we need to recognize things that are holding. And uh, I, I just can't help thinking about Abu Ghraib and the situation uh, there and the fact that action was taken against uh, George W. Bush and uh, U.S. Vice President Dick uh, B. Cheney and uh, U.S. Secretary of Defense Donald H. Rumsfeld, uh, the U.S. Justice Department Assistant Attorney General, uh, J.S. Big, Big V and the U.S. Justice Department Deputy Assistant Attorney uh, John C. Yu and the list goes on and that uh, the Court of Justice better known as the World Court and it's the primary judicial branch of the U.N., both seated in The Hague and the International Crimes Court, and that uh, justice is happening. But we in the U.S. do not have access to true journalism. So we don't need propaganda. We need the truth. We need um, to be able to have access to that. We need to educate our youth, but also um, our adult population um, to the importance of protecting Mother Earth, um, the importance of universal health care, the importance of, of uh, a woman's right to control her reproductive health, the importance of civil rights of others, of children, the importance of education and take it from there, and we'll be on our way to organizing. 
because as long as the people are ignorant, social media is educating our youth, we're at a great disadvantage as the working class in this country, as we've seen with these 18- and 20-year-old murderers. They're as much a victim as the people they killed. And 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 uh, they may not, they have their lives, so no, they may not be as much a victim, but they're also victims. And uh, they failed to recognize who they were and some felt, somehow felt themselves separate from uh, their fellow society, the, the, their, from other children, from other people, for an 18-year-old once again to be able to buy 300 rounds almost of anti-personnel ammunition and no one speak up about it or it not be a problem in the community. But yet the Aruru House uh, raided, um, as well as uh, several other houses in the Twin Cities and throughout the country, but nowhere were weapons found of mass destruction. Nowhere were drugs found. The only thing they're guilty of is educating the people and being uh, anti-war activists. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Moses, we'll give you a few minutes for any final thought on this particular matter. Brother Moses. Yeah, I'd like to say, you know, my definition of propaganda came from V.I. Lennon and, and uh, what is to be done when he called for called for propaganda and agitation. Uh, he was trying to unite the small circles into a party, a revolutionary party, and uh Propaganda was defined, and agitation was defined, and uh, and you know it is it's, it's basically information and facts that support the need for revolution, and and uh, agitation was you know heightened um, emphasizing one 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 big uh, fact and uh, and arguing around it. Um, for for the need for revolution, uh, um, I'm not doing a good definition, but I, the, the, what is to be done is the book, and um, uh, so truth. It's not about lying. Uh, uh, propaganda it was not about lying, and uh, um, uh, I just want to straighten that out. Uh, uh, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, and you're listening to Africa on the Move. When the seat we take the heat, as we decide it, we're going to stand behind it. We come and tell you today, I've heard eight perspectives on the FBI investigating Russian interference, possibly linked to Yuhuru movement in Florida. Follow this. And at this point in time, we're going to take a rubbish culture break, and when we come back, we will continue on part two. It's all about the money. This is Africa on the move. White. It's an African one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Winter in a man. 
Fight and make it better. We will continue part two, all about the money. And when we talk about it's all about the money, and you're talking about the conflicts that are taking place in the so called geopolitical area we call the Middle East, it's all about the money. That was an interesting article if you get the time to look at it and read it and make sure you don't uh, let it fall out of your consciousness. Deal with Israel's share of several targets in the Gaza script. The attacks came hours after US President Joe Biden left Israel after three days official visit. Biden visited the West Bank to meet with Mahmoud Abbas, president of the Palestinian National Authority, sparking protests in the Gaza script. Romano and Nubris. Now, when we talk about it, it's all about the money. And we're talking about the bombing of missiles going into refugee camps. And there's no outcry that will reflect the unhumane condition, the genocide processes in place as it relates to the Palestinian people. What is this? Is this not all about the money? Brother Haki, talk to us. What did you take from this article? No, I think uh, I think it is all about the money, Brother Africa. I think that, you know, one of the things, you know, uh, when we talk about just in economic terms, we talk about the kind of uh, 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 deficits created, uh, imposed upon the Palestinian economy to the tune of $16.7 billion dollars. Of course, it's about the economics, and of course, uh, Israel wants its wants its uh, its its, uh, its uh, share of, of of the loot. Uh, one of the things is very very ironic, though, when we talk about it's all about the money, brother Africa. The, you know, uh, you know, when we talk about import restrictions imposed on Gaza. Now, keep in mind, Gaza is only about 25, 25 miles long and about six six miles wide. So when we talk about these import restrictions imposed on Gaza, then you know, to, to, for Israel to impose these restrictions on 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 Gaza is not only for political reasons, but economic terms. You got to realize that a lot of the, um, the the taxes from these imports, to the extent that imports can actually enter Gaza, are uh, goes to Israel. So Israel benefit benefit uh, tremendously in terms of uh, in terms of economic dislocation imposed upon the Palestinians. But I think no one can dismiss the fact that when we talk about Israel, you, can, you cannot talk about Israel without talking about the $3 billion in grants the U.S. gives to, to, to Israel every year. If you superimpose military spending of $3.8 billion, that's a lot of money. And now, so in, in currently, you know, uh, there's a 10-year plan that's in, in place in which they're giving you Israel $40 billion, and that's mostly for the military. So clearly when we talk about the kind of uh, – uh, Israel aggression. Uh, we can dismiss this question in terms of, you know, not only political benefits but economic benefits in terms of imposing these hardships upon the against the Palestinian people. 
Thank you, Brother Hockey. Brother Anthony, in the article, it talks about the timing of the bombing of hitting these refugee camps was not an accident after the third day of Biden leaving Israel. Many of them say there was a calculated um, decision with the approval of the U.S. government. No response to this article, Brother Anthony. Yes, I think uh, I think the purpose is to uh, uh, to, uh, to dominate uh, Palestine uh, and its uh, resources, and uh, and I think it's significant that it came after Biden's visit to occupied Palestine. And, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I think it shows that uh, the purpose was to inculcate fear in the Palestinians about, uh, you know, about what they, uh, what what would happen if they tried to resist uh, the Zionist policies in that region. Uh, and it's uh, similar to the way they, uh, you know, way imperialists try to intimidate oppressed people throughout the world by uh, by bombing and uh, you know and uh, committing acts of terrorism against uh, uh, the masses of the people, and uh, and it's designed to inculcate fear. Uh, once again, and uh, fear tends to make people tentative and to lessen their will to resist their oppression. Hmm. Brother Moses, talk to me, Brother Moses. There seemed to be a deliberate act by the U.S. press not to really talk about these bombings that are taking place against defenseless people in terms of the type of military means that at their disposal. What did you take from this article, Brother Moses? Well, we, we, we understand that Israel is a military-industrial settler state uh, that's a renegade government and uh, has no legitimacy. And we have to start from that as the starting point uh, to understand what's going on uh, it's an outpost for the U.S. government. It's a military outpost, um, and you know the the U.S. government supports Israel. It it it, uh, it funds Israel, and it apologizes for for Israel, and uh, it's, and uh, it is. It's a arm of the U.S. government, and so, so you know, we we have to accept that and know that you know the, the mission is to deal with the U.S. government and Israel. They both they both um, reactionary governments, and you know we we have to organize people to understand that and deal with that as a as a material reality. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor talked to us when we look at Israel and U.S. look at U.S. foreign policy. We see a lot of contradictions in terms of this question of 
a nation that pro-peace and pro-justice. Your response to this article, Sister Eleanor? Well, the, the fact that uh, war, uh, Israeli warplanes uh, fired 10 missiles at tourist sites uh, uh, and uh, struck the southwest of struck uh, a tourist complex southwest of Gaza City and uh, the northern Gaza Strip, destroying in its entirety and setting it on fire in addition to causing severe damage to homes in the vicinity. Uh, as, as As Brother Anthony said, it is with the intent of uh, um, causing destruction and uh, uh, economic destruction, but also uh, devastating uh, the, the the minds of the people. And uh, the fact that a warplane also fired two missiles at uh, at a refugee camp in central Gaza. Uh, destroying it in its entirety and damaging uh, nearby homes. So uh, the attack came only hours after U.S. President Joe Biden left uh, Israel and and after three days of his, quote, as you said, his official visit. And I think they were sending a double message, one to let the – President of the Palestinian National Authority know that uh, uh, he has uh, his power. He's powerless against the Israeli government, and as Brother Moses said, it is a uh, 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 industrial military industrial complex, and it is a military settler state. And throughout the demonstration, throughout Biden's visits. He was confronted with signs saying this is uh, uh, apartheid, this is apartheid while he was visiting Israel. But uh, apparently that had no impact on him. And uh, Israel claimed that they were retaliating uh, for rockets fired from Gaza uh, into southern Israel uh, earlier in, in the night. The rocket fired from Gaza struck southern Israel, causing slight damage to a house but no injuries. And it wasn't uh, shot by the Palestinian people. No one's claimed responsibility for it from the Palestinian community. So who knows where that came from. Hamas uh, spokesman um, said that the occupation with all of its tools of terrorism and U.S. support will not be able to bend the will of of, of the people. Uh, and they're brave and they continue to resist. But we see with the apartheid and the impact and the genocide and just building the wall and separating uh, Palestinian families from Jerusalem, from those in Gaza, not allowing uh, married couples um, of a, a child-producing age to even meet to continue 
um, their family to multiply and have children. We see the medium age in Palestine is now uh, about 18. So they're trying to destroy the culture by taking away its history of itself while controlling uh, the reproductive rights of the Palestinian people and continuing to attack the people. And uh, um, President Biden, Biden is visiting the Zionists and then he's moving on to visit uh, Saudi Arabia. You have to question what what's going on, uh, you know, uh, the war against Yemen rages on. We hear very little or nothing about it, and we get no factual news on the history of Palestine, the history of Israel, the history of the Zionist state. And uh, we really have to educate people so they can make decisions about uh, informed decisions on what they will accept from the U.S. Congress. And uh, one thing that was said last week by Brother Haiki, Joe Biden doesn't control the economy and he doesn't control, he's the executive. He He doesn't make laws. And the Supreme Court, in theory, enforces laws. Well, we've seen where they are. And the Congress is an example of uninformed, uneducated people. There are many people that now are seated in the Congress who are miseducated as well as uneducated. So um, we see this is just uh, violence, uh, continued violence against uh, a part of the occupation and a part of apartheid. uh, the occupation uh, uses tools of terrorism, and, and the U.S. support uh, will not be able to, um, of this terrorism, uh, we hope, we'll, we're sure, will not bend uh, the Palestinian people. But clearly, it, we are strongly supporting uh, terrorism in occupied Palestine uh, through the military settler state, Israel. And uh, that's about it. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. uh, Yeah. Thank you. One of the things this particular problem has in common is that U.S. has the capacity to just print money out of the clear air. And Israel has the capacity to just use military equipment such as bombing and bombing and bombing because you know they can always be replaced and get it from the U.S. Your response. Brother Africa, you're absolutely correct. I mean, the, the whole problem is that when you have a country essentially which is uh, subsidized by the world in terms of use of the U.S. dollar, and clearly, uh, U.S. can create money at will. So when you print up money arbitrarily, it doesn't have to be concerned about inflation. It doesn't have to be concerned about in terms of uh, deficits. It's not concerned about any of that stuff. 
because it can print money at will, and this is recognized by you know, Western countries of the world, who in turn central banks turned uh, and, and invest in that dollar uh, to ensure you know that uh, it, it maintains uh, some credibility in terms of world world affairs. Uh, so clearly, brother, after the mere fact that they can print up endless amounts of dollars, of course, it, it, uh, Israel becomes a benefactor. So Israel benefits in terms of this kind of uh, weird uh, uh, economic situation uh, that exists in America. And one of the things, so when we talk about the the $3.8 billion specifically for military spending, you're right. Even if Israel uses up the military hardware, it doesn't matter because it can simply um, it can simply uh, appeal to the U.S. for additional uh, military weaponry. And it'll get it, and it's no problem at all. I'm reminded of the fact, and just to digress a bit, but back in Afghanistan, they left over something like 8 to $10, $10 billion worth of military equipment over there. Now, what nation do you know can, afford, can ill afford to actually leave military equipment in another country and just leave it there? Just, just leave it there. No problem. Leave it there. Uh, you For U.S., it's not a problem because they can print up money as they see fit. And the whole thing is that, you know, when we talk about the Federal Reserve in terms of the printing up of, of, of dollars, one of the things that we're very clear on, even the Federal Reserve understands in printing up that money, there is the downside. Uh, when you when you when you print up that print up that money, when you create the circulation of dollars, you know, throughout the global as well as the national economy, then you do so at at the, at the expense of the dollar. You you diminish the value of the dollar. And so, therefore, they understand that, you know, this whole process in terms of, you know, elevating interest rates is a very tricky it's a very tricky thing to do. They understand ultimately they cannot afford to continue to, to raise interest rates uh, in, terms of, in terms of its impact on the dollar. Uh, one of the reasons why when they raise interest rates, you talk about, you know, 0.700% of a point in terms of raising interest rate because they understand clearly. You know, for every time they raise the interest rate one point, they understand the thirty trillion dollars of thirty thirty billion dollars of, of economic activity they lose. So they understand. So what they try to minimize is by making a less than one point increase in terms of interest rates uh, to minimize the amount of jobs that actually lost as a result of those those uh, those uh, those interest rate increases. But they understand fundamentally they're the problem. But I say all that to say that one of the things is that, you know, you know in, 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 in terms of most economies, you have to be concerned in terms of allocation of dollars or allocation of currency, of your money. U.S. doesn't have that, that problem. So it can arbitrarily just print, 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 print. And the Latins can print, 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 print. You know, the Zionist regime of Israel would always have uh, a, a bank of sort. Uh, it would always have someone they can turn to and say, listen, we need X number of dollars, we need X number of equipment. In terms of carrying out, you know, our objectives, which, by the way, Israel's objectives is America's objectives. This is why no president dare critiques or dare crosses Israel when Israel says something is law. And so clearly, is 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 so clearly this money printing is instrumental in the kind of uh, violence, the kind of injustice inflicted against the Palestinian by the Israel regime, simply because they understand, you know, the U.S. has, you know, bottomless pockets. Thank you, Brother Hackey. And Brother Anthony, we know that might doesn't make it right. But we also know technologically speaking, it doesn't guarantee a victory over a people. We got encouraged from this article to see how the Palestinian people are continuing to still resist and fight against the Zionist State of Israel. But we know as long as the people have the will, 
they will find a way to get their freedom. You know, respond to the resiliency of the Palestinian people. Yes. Uh, well, well, let's see. Uh, there are a couple of, uh, of historical examples uh, that we can look at. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Korean conflict and the conflict in Vietnam, both of which took place in uh, in Asia, and also uh, and also the people were organized to defeat imperialism. And um, at a heavy cost, of course, but they were able to uh to defeat and maintain their uh uh their freedom of uh development so uh you know so as long as the will is there uh you know that's the most uh that's the most important thing uh the will to be free and uh the will to live as human beings in their uh in their homeland i think is an important motivating factor and ultimately the palestinians will win uh you know but it takes uh but 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 it's going to take a lot of work a lot of effort and they are putting in that work in and that is why more and more people are aware of the Palestinian struggle than they have been at any point, you know, in the in the history of Zionist occupation. But uh, you know, they uh it's gonna take perseverance and uh it's gonna take people working together uh in order to defeat of all manifestations of capitalist exploitation worldwide. And I think that's the key. Uh, people, uh, the people organized cannot be defeated. And I think that's the important lesson we can draw from the Palestinian struggle. Thank you, Brother Anthony. This is Eleanor. Can you say just a few words of encouragement to the Palestinian community? Uh, the the Palestinian people are not alone in their struggle. There are people all around the world recognize their right to independence and realize that uh, they have been victimized um, in that Israel is a puppet of the U.S. government, and uh, it's a military settler state. And uh, the reality is the world is not does not have their eyes closed when Israel continues to allow settlements in the occupied territory. And... Uh, we stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. We're opposed to Israeli apartheid. Uh, we know that the, the United States is uh, taught the world modern-day apartheid with the oppression of African people here, of African-American people, of Chicano people, 
of all people of color in this United States. And we have continued to struggle against our oppressor, and we've had some reforms that have allowed our children uh, to advance, and we believe that they will be free. And we realize that the Palestinian people are in Palestine in their land, and they will be victorious. They are not alone in their struggle. Thank you, Sister Eleanor and Brother Moses. Again, what does it say or how does it reflect the attitude and behavior of the U.S. foreign policy to continue to support the Zionist state of Israel while still trying to sell to the rest of the world as a country that based upon freedom, justice, equality, and a democracy? What does that relationship really represent, Brother Moses, to your perspective, from your perspective? Yeah, well, we we know that the U.S. is hypocritical. Uh, that he talks with a forked tongue, and uh, and you know, it's imp- imperialism in deeds. You know, democracy in words, imperialism in deeds. And uh, so, you know, the Palestinian people, as, as has been stated, are not alone, and they must keep their faith in in the justness of their cause and the righteousness of their cause and maintain resistance um this is this is the this is the path forward and uh the world's people support the palestinian people uh the us continues to prop up the israel and supply them with arms and ammunition and apologizes for whatever atrocities they commit and uh, and that's just the way the, the way the world is. Um, until we deal with the U.S., we can't really deal with Israel. I mean, it's a both. It's, it's it's the U.S. is the real problem. The, the tail doesn't wag the dog. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Let's make our transition to our next article. As we talk about the concept, it's all about the money. This article is titled, Germany Lacks Reserves for Incoming Winter Without Russia Gas. Uh, like a note to this particular article, it says that the quantities of gas in storage in Germany today are insufficient to get through the coming winter without supplies of the Russian fuel. One federal network agency, Chairman Klus Mahler, yeah, Brother Haki, when we look at this reality, is it true that they already predicting the gas that Europe will need, particularly in this case Germany, will need to survive this upcoming winter? They can't get it at this point in time without the help of, the, of Russia. What do you think would be the outcome from how Germany would deal with this shortage issue? Who will ultimately end up paying the price? Because it's a case to me where we need to realize we're all connected. If they can't get the gas from Russia, where do you think the other um, significant amount of gas that they would need to survive the winter will come from? And how would they do it, Brother Hakeem? Well, 
Just speculate. Yeah, well, it's, it's very, it's very, it's very interesting, brother. It's very interesting, brother Africa. Uh, they say that the uh, the the uh, gas storage tanks are only sixty five percent full. And in fact, the article goes on to say that uh, Germany officials uh, will be relying on the, uh, oil uh, from Norway, Belgium, and Netherlands. But of course, there's a problem in terms of in terms of um, you know that statement. And particularly because when you think about Belgium, uh, in terms of you know you know is, is oil exports, uh, Belgium itself is dependent on oil exports from Russia and OPEC countries. Now, if that's the situation, then seriously, if if Germany thinks that Belgium is going to supply them with all that they need, then that's simply not going to happen. So, which means that their dependence on Russia isn't going anywhere. And I suspect that a lot of uh, German uh, leaders understand that reality. But in terms of uh, appealing to the U.S., in terms of making U.S. think that Germany is on their side, they're essentially espousing some rhetoric about the fact that, you know, that they have these other sources of inf- uh, uh, for, for oil exports or, or imports in this case. Now, also in terms of receiving oil from Norway, now the problem in terms of Germany receiving oil from, from Norway, uh, recently, uh, as really a year and a half ago, uh, Norway's uh, started reducing the oil exports by 250,000 barrels per day. This was back in June of 2020. Afterwards, they started reducing their out their, their oil out 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 excuse me, uh, outports in um, exports by 135,000 barrels a day. Now the whole the whole thing is that you know in in, in 2021 early 2022, and the new oil fields that currently exist uh, in the uh, <coughs> uh, in the North Sea. Uh, didn't pan out the way they thought it would. Germany actually anticipated that, in fact, they would be able, you know, to become self, self depend, independent, uh, independent of the need for oil from from Russia. Well, that didn't happen. Well, according to Rutter's, uh a newspaper, uh, the, those oil fields in the North Sea exported only 100 barrels of oil in 2021 to the present. And here's the irony, brother: of those 100 barrels of oil that they exported. Uh, they exported those 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 barrels to the European market at the exclusion of Asian markets. In other words, they simply didn't have enough oil to, to really uh, uh, to really uh, satisfy the needs of uh, of European markets, even when they cut off oil markets or oil trade due to Asian markets. And with respect to Netherlands, you know, we're talking about they produce actually zero thousand barrels per day. So the in other words, for Netherlands to produce oil, the cost of oil exploration and the selling price are prohibitive. So it costs more to produce than it, than you would sell in terms of oil production in Netherlands. So obviously, Netherlands cannot be a source of oil exports for Germany. So clearly, Germany is in, in, in a very very difficult situation in terms of uh, in terms of being being able to import oil. But I do support I do praise Germany for the fact that when we talk about in terms of uh, people now have access to you know, to heat as a result of these oil shortages. That Germany made a con- a conscious effort to make sure that so-called heating rooms exist for the most indigent in German society, which means that nobody will freeze to death during the winter time in Germany. So for that, you simply have to take your head off of Germany in, in, in terms of that. But clearly, by the Africa, uh, Germany finds itself in between a rock and a hard place because it needs those those oil the the, uh, <clears throat> the oil uh, from Russia. Also, one other thing, and I'll conclude with this, Brother Africa. Now, Germany was very much concerned about, you know, um, higher prices, which tripled to the reduction in gas and oil supplies, you know, from Russia. Um, now, the problem is that 
these these oil supplies coming from Russia will, be, of course, it will be increased for a couple of reasons. Um, one of the reasons is that investors will drive up the prices of oil to secure bigger profits. That is a given in, in a so-called market-based economy. But just as importantly, Russia Russia cannot forget you know, the stand that Germany took in terms of the defense of the United States. That's going to be a source of contention for a long, long time to come. And my guess is that as a result of that, prices of oil in the future will increase to Germany. So clearly, uh, you know, Germany is in a between a rock and a hard place, but I can, but I certainly condone and certainly support uh, Germany's uh, use of heat rooms to, to, for the most indigenous, indigenous people in Germany. Not close with that. Thank you, Brother Hakeem. Brother Anthony, when you catch a cold, they said the world become ten times worse off. That's what some people say. But looking at this article, Brother Anthony, I often wonder if they're going to look at Africa as a replacement to try to export oil and gas from African countries at a very exploitative rate. Your response, Brother Anthony? I think so, uh, because um, in order in order to maintain uh, the li- the living standards in Germany uh, and uh, the rest of Europe, ener- uh, energy supplies have to come from someplace. And, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, historically, Africa has been looked upon as a source of, uh, as a source of raw materials. And, uh, and I think it'll happen once again. And, um, you know, it depends upon, uh, uh, the technological feasibility and uh, what price Africa is willing, uh, you know, to uh, you know to sell off its resources in order to sustain the living standards of Europe. And uh, you know, for the last five hundred years. Uh, this is pretty much how Europe has sustained itself. And uh, when it cannot get uh, those resources from uh, uh, from Asia, which is what, uh, what, what we're talking about when trying to get those reserves from uh, Russia, uh you know uh they'll uh that they, they, they'll look to africa and uh and uh so i think uh you know it's a a, a complex geopolitical situation and uh it's going to come down to uh how well africans are organized in terms of being able to get a fair price for their resources. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And Sister Eleanor, we read this article. Share some of your thoughts on what you took from this article. Well, um, uh, Russia was doing its annual cleaning of the Nord Stream 1, and what had happened was Canada at one point was refusing to return a turbine 
uh, back to uh, return the turbine back to Russia because of the sanctions. But since, uh, as the article indicated, there's been a reversal on the interpretation of uh, whether or not it would be a violation of the sanctions uh, against Russia for Canada to return the turbine. And the turbine um, has been returned to uh, Russia. And uh, uh, so uh, presumably uh, it was the, the company was called Gaz Prone, uh, the Gaz Prone Group, G A Z P R O M Group, uh, has received the, the turbine. And. Uh, 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 previously, Russia had reduced supplies to Nord Stream 1 by 60% due to Canada's unilateral sanctions, which prevented a uh, Canadian subsidi- subsidiary uh, from uh, returning a turbine uh, for its pumping plant to Russia. But it's now been reversed, so presumably... Uh, uh, Germany will be receiving the necessary gas that it needs through the pipeline. Now, the other thing is that we've spoken previously about Algeria long before the about uh, Algeria being able to mm-hmm. use its um, pipeline to ship fuel to Spain, but that's been an underutilized pipeline, and whether or not that infrastructure is uh, available to um, uh, further transport the fuel to Germany and other European countries remains unseen. The concern right now is, as uh, Brother Anthony said, whether or not um, Africa will uh, be able to get um, market rate for its resources. And also the issue with Russia, Russia wants payment in rubles, not in euros. Euros are less valuable than rubles, and Russia does not wish to accept any payment for any of its resources through the euro. So we see this as um, um, I, I I see the return of the turbine, um, and we've gotten there's been a, a a a whiteout on news concerning what happened since that turbine was returned to Russia, whether or not um, fuel is beginning to go back to Nord Stream One. We don't know what's happened. Uh, we knew that it was shut down for annual cleaning, and that should have been concluded by July 21st, 2022. And we know that after that, the turbine, as, as you know, uh, was returned. So, we, you know, I don't know what else to say other than I can only report the, the facts that that I know. And it appears that... Uh, uh the EU is trying to uh work with the west is working together uh 
to try to isolate the, Russia from its navy in the Black Sea, uh, to isolate the people of the Donbass region. You've seen Zelensky declare that they were a t- terrorist uh, region. Um, and uh, you've seen also this week where Zelensky and his wife are now in vogue and Zelensky's wife is on the cover of Vogue, and they're modeling in Vogue. So how dangerous is the situation in the Ukraine that they have an opportunity to uh, take all these hours to pose with the world's uh, best-known, as well as commercial photographer? I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions here concerning this 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 war by proxy. Thank you, Sister Alnoy and Brother Moses. Share wisdom. Share your wisdom with our listening audience on this article. What did you take from it? Oh, I, I, the article. I don't even remember the article at the moment. Uh, it's one about Germany lack reserves for incoming winter. But Germany would be forced right. not to have enough oil and gas because of the situation going on in Europe, around Ukraine. And right. Russia supply, don't supply the gas to them, they got some problems. Right. How you think they may deal with that? They've been dependent on Russia up until now, and the and they're going to continue mm-hmm. to depend on Russia, evidently. Uh, uh, you know, this this uh, so-called united front against this Russia or something uh, is it's not it's not as united as it's going to need as they would like it have it to be, uh, because there's a lot of countries that need that gas and oil and uh, and they are going to compromise themselves uh, in terms of the Russian aspirations. And uh, I think Russia will get that southern region of, of Ukraine, and and this thing will pan out, hopefully. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And what we're going to do right now, um, real quickly, Brother Haki, any final thoughts you'd like to say? Michelle, with the rest of the listening audience on this subject. Oh well, I I have a final thought, but it's, it's unrelated to uh, it's unrelated to the topic, and I I think I have to I have to just I have to say this because it's important. Uh, you know, one of the things is that when we talk about genetic diversity, uh, we got to be very clear on that point. When I, when 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 Castro talked about you know African blood runs through our veins, he wasn't just talking to the Cuban people. He was talking about humanity in general. Castro understood that the relationship with Africa was key. He understood that in order for humanity to be free, Africa must be free. In that context, he understood Cuba's uh, responsibility in terms of ensuring or assisting Africa in its liberation. It couldn't send its people to Africa unless the people understood that he, they, were, they, were, they, they were fighting for their blood. That is the rationale in terms of why he did it. There's the same reason why Chavez said African blood runs in us all. There's the same reason Gaddafi said African blood runs in us all. It's the same dynamic. So let's be clear on that point. Secondly, 
when we talk about when we talk about genotype, we're talking about genetics. And when we talk about genetics, there's only one continent in the world with the most genetic diversity in the world. There are seven genetic markers that exist only in only one place in the world, Africa. That is the only place in the world that it exists. No other place. As human beings disseminated after they left Africa, different parts of the world, the condition, based upon the conditions they found themselves under, determine the parents determine their phenotype or what they look like physically. It's important to note that when we look at in terms of let's let for, 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 for lack of a better argument, let's talk about the term white people. All right, white people. All right, all right. Western Europeans to look darker than Eastern Europeans. All right. Now you think about that and you ask the question: So where does the skin color come from? It has to come from somewhere. It comes from the African genotype. Even for for white people who are extremely white, and the only way you can tell a genetic uh, 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 inheritance is that. Of in terms of the color of their hair, but more importantly, when you talk about two white people getting together and having an African baby, the question becomes: How is that possible? Why can't why can't two Africans have a white a white baby other other uh, other than uh, albino? It's genetics. So let's 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 be very very clear on that point. So a lot of things the sister raised, you know, uh, I, I thought we already I thought it was already dealt with at, you know through the years, but apparently not. Also, the question in terms of ethnicity. You know, as I stated earlier, when you talk about the fact that some white people are darker than other white people, uh, the question of ethnicity is a very, very important one. In the context of Africans born in America, say Africans born in the Caribbean, when you talk in terms of ethnicity, Caribbean, those, those brothers and sisters in the Caribbean and those brothers and sisters in America have different culture. Those brothers and sisters in Central and South America uh, have different cultures. They have a different ethnicity in terms, in other words, their local custom and beliefs or traditions differ based upon where they are in the world. It doesn't mean it has anything to do with genotype, which is genetics. See, phenotype and genotype are two different things. So let's, let's, let's get this point clear. I had to say this because one of the things that, you know, I don't say things simply to say things for effect. If I came back up what I say statistically or historically, I don't say it. So let's be clear. When I talk about Castro, I understand clearly what Castro was talking about. When, it's, when, when Chavez and Gaddafi say the same thing, I'm very clear on what they're saying. So this notion that somehow that I'm confusing ethnicity and genotype, I'm not confusing the two. They're two very different things. So I just want to get that point out of the way, Brother Africa, and I'll close with that. Now they know we're going to take a revolutionary break and we're going to continue to struggle because where there are struggles, there are progress. And this is Africa on the move. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the for only love can conquer hate. You know we've 
picket line and picket sign. Don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me so you can see.
It is, uh, but but it's another scare tactic uh, to keep people uh, immobilized, uh, in a sense, uh, you know, and to keep people from fighting against, uh, you know, their oppression. And uh, the key to um, to working against this is to be organized. And organized people cannot be defeated. So. Thank you, Brother. So, Eleanor, is this a case of taxation representation? Why is the Homeland Security, the Department of Homeland Security, is taking taxpayer money to spy and track them down inside? What's going on, Sister Eleanor? Talk to me. Well, the other concern is why is Vintel and and Babel selling this information and seeking to make contracts with Homeland Security to sell their customer information? So it's a kind of a two-way street. And uh, the reality is is that uh, when 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 seeking a contract from DHS is Ventel said in a in a email published by the ACLU that it automatically compiles, processes, and validates fifteen plus billion daily location singles from two hundred and fifty million mobile devices. I mean, uh, uh, why is your cell phone company? doing that uh, uh a border agency uh checks documents um you know uh, is one thing but uh, your cell phone and and it also mentioned uh in this article that ICE was using this for immigration enforcement it is not clear from the documents what well actually it's not clear from the documents whether ICE and CP C, uh, CBP used the data to make specific arrests of individuals uh, um, um, and in emails to DHS obtained by the ACLU, which were heavily didacted. Uh, uh, it didn't seem to show personal uh, uh, identifying information. Uh, so um, it, it's an invasion of privacy, and it, I think it's it's a civil rights violation. What was your question, Brother Africa? Uh, you 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 articulated um, in response to my question, Sister Eleanor. Job well done, and we go with Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what was your take from this article? Why is it that? They're taking the taxpayer money and using it against them by acquiring cell phones to monitor the citizen movement inside the country. Your, res- well, your response, Brother Moses? Well, ever since Eric Snowden blew the whistle on the NSA, uh, we, we've been conscious of this, the government monitoring and, uh, and uh, regulating phone calls. Uh, you know, the government is, is anti- Revolutionary and pro status quo, and and wants to maintain itself 
and its power. And so, you know, we have to face that. Uh, the repression will continue. Uh, these, you know, we we live in a police state. I mean, that's that's just it. Uh, uh, we have to get a new government and, and and scrap all this, all these organizations and create new organizations. And that's a lot easier said than done, but that's what needs to be done. Thank you. The talk word for the night is get a new government. Get a new government. Thank you, Brother Moses. And finally, Brother Haki, tools of oppression was the FBI or the Homeland Security. Um, what's the difference? They both were tools of, both tools of oppression. Your response, Brother Haki. <laughs> yeah, well, well, there's no difference in the tools of oppression. Uh, you know, but certainly one of the things, though, I, I, I find ironic is when we talk about constitutional rights or civil rights, and when you talk about the infringement of, of the privacy rights guaranteed by the Constitution, one has to wonder, you know, uh, so, so what value do we place on terms of constitutional uh, freedoms? Uh, so clearly there's uh, something to miss here. Uh, one of the things, Brother Africa, is that you know, uh, there have been organizations, ACLU, one of them, uh, who continue to challenge, you know, these intelligence agencies in terms of being you know, conforming to, to the rules stipulated, you know, by the U.S. Constitution. Well, no matter what they do, uh, this intelligence community always do what they want to do, in part because one of the, one of the things that's, that's ironic about Africa is that, you know, when you talk about intelligence community, which have their own regulations, their own policies, uh, and carrying out those, those regulations and policies, they are legally, they're not liable to, to even discuss a lot of those 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 uh, those uh, those uh, uh, things that take place behind the scenes. So if they actually discuss those things, they get in big big trouble. So it seems to me to be somewhat of a catch twenty two, and it's not by co- coincidence. I think this is all part of the planning. Is that to create uh, policy uh, um, uh, and regulations with these intelligence community, then provide them a way out in terms of skirting intended constitutional protections. So clearly, uh, nothing's going to change in terms of you know the the the, the uh, use of uh, technology for the sole purposes of spying on the citizenry. Uh, I think one of the things we got to be very very clear on when we talk about uh, capitalism in its decline, that the ruling class understand you know that we're all constitute a threat. We're all uh, exponential exponential threats, simply because you know we're caught up in a system in which our futures are not assured, and in that context. We constitute a threat. So, therefore, they want to know who you are. They want to know what you think. They want to know where you live, where you go, who you see. They want to know all of that. That's who they are. So let us not deceive ourselves into thinking that, in fact, that uh, somehow that, uh, you know, you know, in or bring, uh, uh, bringing in uh, the uh, – uh, or, or, or circumventing, you know, uh, these wrongs committed by uh, the intelligence community somehow can be righted. Let us not deceive ourselves in believing that, in fact, that there's anything that we can do in terms of reeling in, you know, the intelligence community. Because the bottom line is that it's all by design to ensure the intelligence community do what they got to do to protect the ruling class. And it's that simple. Is that simple? Is that simple? Do we let the people know that when you look at all these actions by the capitalist system, by the U.S. government, they have declared war on you, on the people. What we're going to do? Right now it's war time. When we come back, we'll have our final thoughts for today's program, part two 
It's all about the money. We are at war. Change. 
Niggas kill other niggas Just because one didn't receive the correct change Niggas change from men to women From women to men Niggas change, change, change You hear niggas say Things are changing Things are changing Yeah, things are changing Nigga things into black nigga things Black nigga things that go through all kinds of changes The change in the day that makes them rant and rave Black power, black power And the change that comes over them at night As they sigh and moan Right side, ooh, right side Niggas always going through bullshit change But when it comes for real change Niggas are scared of revolution Niggas are actors Niggas are actors, niggas act like they're in a hurry to catch the first act of a great white host. Niggas start to act like Malcolm, and when a white man doesn't react to them like he did Malcolm, niggas want to act violently. Niggas act so cool and slick, causing white people to say, what makes you niggas act like that? Niggas act like you ain't never seen nobody act before. But when it comes to acting out revolution, niggas say, I can't dig them action. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas are very untogether people. Niggas talk about getting high and riding around in L's. Niggas to get high and ride to hell. Niggas talk about pimping, pimping that, pimping what? Pimping yours, pimping mine. Just to be pimping is a hell of a line. Niggas are very untogether people. Niggas talk about the mind, talk about my mind stronger than yours. I got that bitch's mind upside. Niggas don't know a damn thing about the mind, but they be right. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas fuck. Niggas fuck, fuck, fuck. Niggas love the word fuck. They think they're so fucking cute. They fuck you around. The first thing they say when they're mad is fuck it. You play a little too much with them. They say fuck you when it's time to TCB. Niggas are somewhere fucking. Try to be nice to them. They fuck over you. Niggas don't realize while they're doing all this fucking. They're getting fucked around. But when they do realize, it's too late. So niggas just get fucked up. Niggas talk about fucking, fucking that, fucking this, fucking. Yours, fucking monsters, not knowing what they're fucking for. Ain't fucking for love and appreciation. Just fucking to be fucking. Niggas fuck white side, black side, yellow side, brown side. Niggas fuck angles when they went out of side. Niggas fuck Charlie, Linda, and Sue. And if you don't watch out, niggas will fuck you. Niggas will fuck fuck if it could be fuck. But when it comes to fucking for revolutionary causes, niggas say fuck revolution. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas are players, niggas are players, are players, niggas play football, baseball, and basketball, while the white man is cutting off their balls. When a niggas play ain't tight enough to play with some black guys, niggas play with white guys to see if they still have some play left. And when ain't no white guys to play with, niggas play with themselves. Niggas tell you they're ready to be liberated, but when you say, let's go take our liberation, niggas reply, I was just playing. Niggas are playing with revolution and losing. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas do a lot of shooting. Niggas do a lot of shooting. Niggas shoot off at the mouth. Niggas shoot blue. Niggas shoot traps. Niggas cut around the corners and shoot down the street. Niggas shoot sharp branches at white women. Niggas shoot dope into the arm. Niggas shoot guns and rifles on New Year's Eve. New Year's, instead of coming in, the white police would do more shooting at them. Where are niggas when the revolution needs some shots? Yeah, you know, niggas are somewhere shooting this shit. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas are lovers. Niggas are lovers are lovers. Niggas love to see Clark Gable make love to Marilyn Monroe. Niggas love to see Todd and fuck over the natives. Niggas love to hit a long range again. 
commercials. Oh, how niggas love commercials. You can take niggas out of the country, but you can't take the country out of niggas. Niggas are lovers, are lovers, are lovers. Niggas love to hear Malcolm rap, but they didn't love Malcolm. Niggas love everything but themselves. But I'm a lover too. Yep, I'm a lover too. I love niggas, I love niggas, I love niggas. Because niggas are me, and I should only love that which is me. I love to see niggas go through changes. Love to see niggas act. Love to see niggas make them plays and shoot the shit. But there's one thing about niggas I do not love. Niggas are scared of revolution. Are you scared of revolution? If you are, you are living in the wrong time. Welcome back to Africa on the Move. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat. We may not give you what you want, but we're going to definitely try to give you what you need. We've been talking about part two. It's all about the money. At this point in time, with our political panelists and analysts, we're going to have our final thoughts for it tonight. We hope no one who listens to this program is scared of revolution. Because it's only revolution that will give you the solution to free your people and free yourself as an oppressed people. So on that note, at this particular time, let's go to Brother Moses. And Brother Moses, we'd like to have your final thoughts for tonight. The mic is yours. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. We need grassroots organizing, grassroots organizing. We need to get the rank and file workers Organize. Uh, certainly, the unions have a great job to play. Uh, but meanwhile, we we need a revolutionary perspective, a, uh, a qualitative change, and that we have to see the need for that. Until we come to that conclusion, we're we're just kind of drifting from issue to issue, uh, and so. I'll leave it right there. Um, I, uh, we need to join an organization that's working for the freedom of our people. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, and we're always grateful to have your presence on these programs. And right now, we'll move forward to our sister, Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, give us your final thoughts for tonight. The mic is yours. Mm-hmm. It was another wonderful show. I think it's unfortunate that we didn't get to the uh, the uh, Pfizer biotech article tonight and the three billion they're picking up from the U.S. Uh, for additional Corona shots. But I think it's important. Uh, the last article was important, and I I, I think we were using a lot of acronyms and. Um, um uh for 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 everyone's uh information for ICE is the immigration and customs enforcement and uh the C uh B P is custom border patrol and of course um we were discussing homeland security which is DHS and the bottom line is that we obviously need some type of reform to protect the privacy of people. Um, this indiscriminate uh, gathering of information uh, um, collects the data of 
of undocumented immigrants and of Americans living near the border. Uh, is this is an invasion of our privacy and uh, obviously if we didn't learn anything from uh, the early 21st century usurping the people's privacy does not make for a safer world so uh, with that in mind I'd just like to thank you uh, the, the fellow analysts and you Brother Africa and our listening audience for uh, another fantastic program and uh, organization is where it's at and we have 100 days approximately until the upcoming election so uh, I would urge people to register and vote and vote uh, these voter suppression laws are intended to further oppress the people. So we need to organize. We also need to take advantage of the progressive reforms and remember to love and protect Mother Earth. Do anything you can to reduce your carbon footprint. Uh, stop using so many plastics. Uh, is is now even in sea salt is so bad as in the animals because they're consuming it, and we need to remember that education, healthcare, housing, clean air, and water are basic human rights. Love Mother Earth. Love each other. Organize and educate. Thank you. Good night. Good night, Sister Eleanor, and thank you as well for your contributions to today's program, and we'll go now to Brother Haki. Your final thoughts for the night, Brother Haki. Yeah, well, you know, um, the challenges that we face you know, are real. I certainly don't want anybody to think that, you know, that you know, the things that we talk about are, you know, uh, a function of hyperbole or, or, or our imagination. This stuff is very, very real. And the roots of this problem lies in the state of the, state of the economy. Uh, one of the things uh, as I alluded to earlier, uh, uh, recently um, uh, officials have begun to acknowledge that America is indeed in a recession. Uh, the next step is a deep recession or depression. And what, is that, what, is the, what does that mean in terms of the aspirations of the people in America? Well, certainly one of the things is mean that access to those things that you need, like jobs, shelter, education, those things increasingly become more difficult to obtain. We, we have to fundamentally understand that. When superposed upon that uh, uh, racism in, in the context of capitalist society, then clearly those kind of... Um, Challenges are going to actually magnify when it comes to the African community. The question is that given these challenges, what are we going to do? Uh, one of the things, as much as we would like to wish or like to believe that, in fact, that we just participate, you know, in the, in, 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 in the political system, that everything's going to be all right. Uh, we like to believe that. But the bottom line is that irrespective of participating in the political system, uh, the bottom line is that the ruling class has, has an ulterior motive. Their motive is, one, is to maintain control at all costs. 
And secondly, they understand important terms to utilize in violence for the sole purpose of maintaining control and power. So in that context, you know, they have no problem whatsoever in terms of eliminating large number of people in a society. When we talk about the National Defense Authorization Act and we talk about the, the, the government's willingness to set aside large spaces for concentration camps or internment camps for citizenry, we've got to understand very, very clearly that they're very, very serious about that. We have to become equally serious about, you know, uh, what are we going to do in the eventuality these things come to pass. The problem is that when we talk in the context of history, one of the things that are very clear, none of us, you, me, none of us are immune from history. We can pretend to be uh, pragmatic, and we can say to ourselves, well, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in politics. You know, I'm just going to go to work my 9 to 5 and go home. Everything is fine. Go, you know, drink on the weekends, smoke a little marijuana or whatever, and I'm fine. You can do that. But the problem is that it's not going to negate history. Uh, you know, as history unwinds, as, as, as we see the, the ever-increasing levels of uh, inequality in society, as we see the, the, the prevalence of racism, as we see politicians saying most outlandish things. But in regard to politicians, let me just point out real quickly, though, uh, Jeff, Jim Jordan recently said uh, that uh, the, the uh, January 6th uh, insurrectionists, was, was, it's not a problem. The only problem is that the government, the, 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 the government is going after them simply because they're left-wing. Now, of course, um, the, of course the, the implication is clear. They are actually, these right-wing politicians are actually attacking institutions. Now, you and I understand historically something right-wingers would never do was attack the institutions that run this country. Now they figure out in order for them to to achieve their objective in terms of maintaining power and control, they have to attack the institutions in the society. So when you start attacking institutions, you know, like the like the federal government, the FBI, the CIA, uh, uh, or Department of Homeland Security, when you start attacking these institutions as a conservative, then clearly, you know, you have an ulterior motive. And that ulterior motive is to create the conditions to suggest you know, that it's us, us white people, against everybody else. In that context, as an African person, I, I don't think it's too hard to envision when you say us versus them, who the them is in that context. So for those people who don't take this stuff very, very seriously, you know, uh, you know, I, it's not much I can say. It's probably nothing I can say that's going to inspire people to, you know, to, you know, to, to want to know what's going on in the society. But for those who do actually want to know, you know, I strongly encourage you to read. Please start reading. Read as much as you get your hand on. Deal with economics. Start dealing with economics. It's not complicated. It's not like these people, they want you to believe that it's complicated, too complicated for the masses of people to comprehend. It's not complicated. All you have to understand is the concepts. Once you understand the concepts, you understand exactly what it is because they're going to use tricky, deceptive language in order to throw you off. But if you understand the concepts, nothing they can say is going to confuse you. You understand clearly what they're saying and what they're doing. Please, please, please. The situation is critical in society. And you know, uh, you know, it's not imagine. It's not a. It's not. It's not some. It's not a pejorative statement. It's real. It's, it's factual. It's, what can I say? Well, I haven't said that, brother Africa. Is always I encourage people to, to unravel the matrix because I think it's key in terms of you know coming to grips with these problems that we're confronted with. Without some firm understanding what we're up against, then the, the reality is that you know formulating strategy becomes all the much more difficult. And I close with that. And brother Africa, have a good night. And you the same, Brother Hockey, and thank you as well for your contributions through today's program.
Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight. My final thought for tonight is that we must organize as never before. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, and uh, we can uh, we, we can only defeat our enemy through permanent mass organization. One example of that is what's taking place in Colombia. And uh, the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, is sending a delegation to Colombia uh, to congratulate uh, the indigenous and African peoples there for their accomplishment in terms of, uh, you know, securing, obtaining political power through their electoral victory in uh in uh in this past election and uh we are going down to co- congratulate the masses of working people who through their permanent organization have made that change possible and an and it's an inspiration to Africans at home and in the diaspora what they have been able to accomplish. So please uh, pay it, uh, check out our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org for more information on what, uh, on the reports of this delegation and support our work and join an organization that is working for our people's liberation. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Brother Anthony, for your contribution as well to today's program. We'd like to thank all of our supporters, listening audience, and those maybe for the first time who have heard this program. Come and join us every Sunday evening from starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We try our best to speak truth to the powerless and the powerful and to provide you a perspective that will maybe aid you in your thinking process of making the best decisions for the liberation of your people and a better humanity. Like always, we know that without information, you cannot think, and without organization, you cannot think clearly. So we definitely like to encourage the participation do your liberation by being in an organization. At the same time, we know that you need critical information, revolutionary information, information that will speak to the realities of your existence. So on that note, we ask you to come and join us, come and support us. If you would like to um, become a member of our fan club supporter, Please email us at Africa on the Move to the number two at gmail dot com. If you would like to be a guest, if you think that you have a particular topic of choice you think is important to our people, we'd love to have you. Email us and we'll try to make it possible that your voice as well can be heard. Until next time next week, we ask everybody to continue. Continue to subscribe to go forever. And this has been Africa on the Move from Brother Africa. We want to let you know we too love our homeland Africa.
We'll see you next week.
survival We must decide to get off the ride And stop going through these changes We must prepare and learn how to care But soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger And when the light is clear Oh, how beautiful I will be To know that I've been here And made it through my journey Yeah, and made it through my journey Yeah, 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 yeah. Made it through my journey Pellerino, a bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay, the clay that holds stones together is African, and each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah.
If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine. Needs, our love. needs our love. Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth. Take a stand for justice, that's what we've got to do. Cause Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs, our love. needs our love. People of
up. Some That's his real name, Loki. Loki is not his real name, surprisingly enough. It's an important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yeah. Okay. They're calling him a terrorist. Calling him a terrorist. Okay. One nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's. Um, uh, let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. It's not just Muslims that. Have that oppose your imperialism. He's going to tell you who it is. Lumumba was democracy. Mossadegh. Allende. There you go. Okay, so so this is the rapper. All right, that's mm-hmm. his music. Bust a beat for me. Right? All right, sure. After you divorce yourself from the right wing propaganda campaign, it's all simple and plain. America could stand the game. Your president got an African name. Now who you gon' blame when they drop them bombs out of them planes? Using depleted uranium, babies looking like two-headed aliens. Follow the money trail that leads to the criminal. Ain't nothing subliminal to it. That's how they do it. See the game they run. Give a fuck if he's cunning, articulate and handsome. Afghanistan held for ransom by the hand of this black man. Neo colonial puppet. White power with a black face. He said, fuck it, I'll do it. A master of the sky, expert at telling lies. Then they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. Should have known he was trained in Chicago. Word the chairman Fred and Mark Clark. What they do in the dark will come out in the light. Like a WikiLeaks site. So I guess Nkrumah was right. Who's ready to fight? Last stage of imperialism. I ain't kidding. In the immortal words of Marvin Gates, this ain't living. Like... 
the strip was getting bomb. Obama didn't say shoot. The Jonas Brothers are here. They're out there somewhere. Sasha and Malia are huge fans. But uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you. Predator drones. <laughs> you will never see it coming. Shall be hanged with many stripes. 